0: Welcome to In The Soup, the podcast by restauranteurs for restauranteurs. I'm Christian, a former restaurateur who has set up a predictive analytics and forecasting platform. I took what I learned from my days running restaurants to build Tenzo, an app that makes running restaurants much more zen. Tenzo is about giving managers and head office actionable insights. So I thought, what better way to add to that than to talk to real restaurateurs about their journeys to hopefully help others facing the same challenges? Welcome to our fourth episode where i talk to james mclean the founder of victual inns and a consultant at uh, truffle hunting uh we're recording from the comfort of each other's home due to the ongoing pandemic uh, uh james thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today um uh, i know uh, you've been very very busy so i'm very grateful for for, for you taking to take the time uh, i i just love by asking you just to give me a bit uh, of background on you to tell our audience all about you of course well. Um... So I
1: started uh, out in the, in the industry as a, a chef, um, uh, working from places such as the Greenhouse with Gary Rhodes and before travelling around the world and seeing a few things elsewhere. Um, and when I came back, I started to work with uh, a, a chap called David Pitchford and his wife Rona down at Reed's restaurant in Kent. And they were instrumental in really uh, taking me under their wing and, and teaching me how to cook uh, with structure and, and understanding about what we're trying to achieve. Um, and it developed from there, really. Um, I managed to, uh, after working for different people and different places, such as BAFTA and setting up the members club there for the capital group, um, I uh, uh, managed to buy a pub with an old friend and uh, we started our pub experience. And at the same time as that, um, I knew uh, uh, Nigel, uh, who had his business truffle hunting. And so we started to work on a lot of consultancy projects together from about 2010 onwards. So that's given us a, a, a really big variety of, uh, of experiences of uh, uh, the people and the, the types of business that we come into contact with.
0: Awesome. That's That sounds like a very varied uh, experience. I, I think, uh, am I right in saying that you won a Young Chef Award of the Year? Uh, back in the day. Yes, back
1: in 1997, so that was whilst I was still at Reed's Restaurant, um, and it, it's as testament to what uh, David and Rona had done at Reed's over the years. Uh, Mark Sargent was in the kitchen just before me, um, I replaced him, um, and he won Young Chef of the Year the year before me, so for two years on the trot, um, uh, they were quite successful in, in, in that uh, area.
0: That's, that's amazing. Congrats on that. Uh, it, t- tell me, you, what, what initially brought you into, into the hospitality industry? What, what was it that attracted you? How did, how did you get into it?
1: Well, I was intrigued about people being brought together more than anything else. I remember uh, sitting on the top of the stairs as a child, um, seeing my mum preparing meals and then people coming round and thinking, why can't I be involved? Um, and she was a great cook. She, she worked for Fanny Craddock in the 1960s as her personal assistant for a period of time. Um, and then I had an auntie who was an exceptional cook as well, and I just remember sitting around the table thinking, "This is just amazing. I love it." So that real sense of bringing people together and breaking share uh, breaking bread and sharing stories was really where it started.
0: Awesome. And um, so so now you you, you mentioned that you've uh, you're you're doing a, a lot of consulting for various brands. I, I'd I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, that. Uh, what, what what do you think? Um, makes you a successful consultant
1: well we try not to um, we we try to take a very holistic approach at at what we're doing so it's all very much about understanding what the ambition of the client is in the first place Um, and then really sitting back from it to understand the landscape that's in front of them it's very difficult sometimes for people when they're uh, working day to day and maybe it's a chef who's got a restaurant or uh, business has been operating in a way for a certain period of time. Maybe it's a new concept altogether. Um, but it's very difficult when you're right up against it at the coal face to sometimes see all the other things that could be out there. So we try to take the time to build a, a, a good relationship, strong communication and, and, and understanding of what people are trying to achieve.
0: And and does the um is the consulting more on looking at the the operational side, the financial side, like the, the, the creative side, like or, or is it a holistic approach? Like, tell me more about that.
1: Well, it is it is across all the parts. So, um, whilst the consultancy side can help anybody from uh, developing a concept, getting a site, building what the product offer is, the team. Uh, 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 and, and developing the whole side there, and the F and B, and the the, the property. Um, there's also the office side of things as well. That we make sure that we su- make sure that people have the the right systems in place uh, and and robust reporting, so they know exactly where they are. It's all about knowing where you're where you've been immediately and where you're going. Not waiting to find out where those things are. So it it really does cover the spectrum of. Opening right through to ongoing management, and we do have a couple of contracts uh, with clients where we support the day-to-day management and operations of their businesses.
0: Amazing. And um, tell me, like, if, if we if you can uh, cast your mind back to what it was like pre-COVID, uh, now now actually, I can't still can't get my head around that. It's like it's been like ten weeks or something. Um, what was your what was your day-to-day like uh, b- before pre-pandemic?
1: Well, we were busy. There was a good structure in place. There were some interesting projects coming up, um, so we, we managed to divide our time quite well between the day to day and and looking at some interesting things coming up. Though we got hit a little bit earlier with our day to day due to the fact that I'd started working on a big project out in just outside Barcelona. So oh, well, the I'm reaction thinking. there came a little bit earlier. So we started to see how that was sort of impacting and uh, very much um, a week to two weeks before the London hotels were talking about large-scale cancellations, uh, this resort we were working with was already uh, uh, experiencing that through the conference trade that they had, which was hemorrhaging. So they closed very early, uh, actually during February.
0: Had you been travelling out there uh, for this project or, or, or were you doing that remotely?
1: I had, and it was very interesting to think that even at the time, whilst I was traveling out once or twice a month, maybe two to three times a month, I was starting to think of ways that I could reduce my carbon footprint even then. Um, (laughs) So I think it will be interesting to see when we come back how we can, through the different skills and the different tools that we started using a lot more often, how we can uh, reduce that. But I still think there will be a place for face-to-face contact because that's how you can develop a lot of trust and understand the intonation of what's being said and
0: totally i think it's an interesting point you make because i think people are now getting what's saying actually it is possible for us to reduce our carbon emissions drastically you know what people said wasn't possible before Uh, and i think you're right there will be some people going back there will be elements of going back face to face because there's, it's often it is better in, in person to like to, to to get to know people, in particular if it's the first time you're meeting them. But I, I agree with you. A lot of a lot of people are now going to think: Do I need to jump on a plane, or do I need to go in in person? There, and and especially clients. I think I I, I suspect in this period you're seeing. That actually clients that were expecting you to be in person before are like actually well you know yeah we have to keep going and let's do a video call right is that are you seeing that they're they they're happy with that
1: yeah absolutely I, I think it's actually been a very powerful tool in in, in keeping teams together and motivated. Um, yeah. every, everybody we work with uh, um, we've been holding there's a weekly meeting but there's also those break off meetings for the team to be catching up on things and 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 using zoom and other tools like that has really been invaluable through this time i think a lot of people have found the same
0: and so so you got an initial flavor of what was going to come the 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 way of the uk for the restaurant industry with your project in barcelona tell me a little bit like how how did you i'd love to hear how you navigated through it initially and then now and what you're thinking about now like what you're talking to your clients about now that we've had you know a period where I guess the dust has settled somewhat a little bit
1: yeah I think um I think the 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 road into closure uh and and that order from the government for pubs and restaurants to close was was a, a a clunky journey and and you know to a certain extent government has my um I appreciate the difficulty of what they had to do, and you can see that there was a process. After the first large announcement, small announcements follow thereafter to lay out the whole landscape. But that that week of um, being told to be open, but no one was allowed to come, was very frustrating, and we were all wriggling in, in as many ways as we could. Um, uh, one uh, uh, pub we work with uh, had had an event booked in with uh, um, a large garden marquee, open sided. Um, during that week, which cancelled. So we contacted the uh, marquee people and said, would you leave it here for the summer or during this period? And what's the cheapest you can do it for? And he very kindly offered the marquee for 100 quid a a month, which was uh, an absolute bargain. Um, But of course, within two days of that being uh, uh, agreed, we'd we'd found that we couldn't open anyway. So um, I think, What we've learned from that is as we're coming out the other side of this, there's a big announcement. I know a lot of people felt frustrated by the uh, announcement on Sunday, but our feeling was that the next bits would come. We've heard more about furlough, for example. We're hearing more every day. And I think we're starting to look at that sort of staged uh, uh, opportunity to reopen the businesses. It's going to be very difficult within the sites to do it. You know, if we can only have, as an example, 30% capacity, we know it's not viable. The tipping point between uh, rent being uh, demanded and the level of business and furlough, it, it, the balance between those three points is a challenge. But we, we've, got, um, we've got a trial going on uh, at one site this weekend uh, to test out um, delivery uh, from a Michelin-starred operation. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see what lessons we learn from that for other sites over the next few weeks. So maybe it start with delivery, move into opening up the garden a couple of days a week to supplement the revenue at that point. Then maybe it's coming further into the building, the further down the line we get. So if we can stage it in that way, that, that would be probably what we're trying to look at.
0: Uh, yeah I, I i i agree with you on on uh, it's it's interesting I th- I, definitely there's going to be this phased approach and um it, it's funny how some businesses who weren't considering delivery at all maybe because their food was just not really uh, designed for it uh, if you want but now they're starting to think about that and and starting to think more and more out of the box because it is uh, we, it's hard to imagine going back to any kind of normality um, as such, in the in the short term, and if and if you look at what's happened in China, uh, some of the data coming out of that is really still people are like, you know what, I'm, uh, you know, th- some of the big brands are, are reopen and, and they're getting p- people in, but like obviously putting social distancing in into place, but people are still worried to go out, right? They still prefer to go and collect it and eat it at home or get it delivered, uh, or even like deliver a DIY kind of meal, but so so. However, whatever happens in a way, it feels like this is uh, businesses are going to have to start to adapt. And and really, if they end up having a delivery that is there, that basically protects them in case there's a second wave or if this happens again or if it like diversifying those channels. And uh, and clearly, delivery is one of them. Have you been at all looking at things like and some of these may or may not be. Be, be relevant but you know click and collect and like curbside pickup and like DIY meals are, are those some of the things you're you're recommending to do too or, yeah they're,
1: they're very that. much part of what we're talking about I think you know wh- whether I'm part of the trade or not we're all human beings and we're all craving that human contact at the moment and yeah you know we we have personally uh, friends and family local to us who, who we can't see and, and we can't wait for that opportunity to be able to entertain them at home because we're not yeah. going to be able to go to a restaurant now as a cook i'm quite looking forward to that because i'll quite enjoy enjoy uh doing that for people but what is it our businesses can do to put their dna into someone else's household into into that dinner party to bring that experience and i think to simply do it as there's a limited offer doesn't quite do it it it's got to be a bit more generous you know we work in hospitality and that word has to resonate in in what it is we try to uh, offer people
0: i like the way you put it get get our, our dna into people's homes i think i think you're you're very right it's not just about uh, it, it it's going one step beyond just getting that delivery there, right? How do, how do you recreate that 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 experience? You know, like can you imagine even going to the point where you'd have uh, maybe waiters that come with with uh, either full hazmat suits or like just the masks that just like set, setting you up? It, it, it's true. It's like how do you create that? Right? That's a really difficult thing to do. I don't know if if you've given it if you have other uh, thoughts on that. I would love to hear. Well, them.
1: I, I think from you know if you if you think about maybe more the the, the higher end off uh, the the michelin-starred restaurant there the, might well be a dish that uh uh uh, uh is uh, one of your signatures that people know from a, a, an environment and it, it could be a very Instagrammable thing for you to get that into people's houses for yeah. for, for a reason uh, um i think as far as um Pubs are concerned. It, it's it's also about how we can start to get, deliver that bit more of community service um, and things that you can't do at home. I know my wife; she's Irish, uh, is, would love to have fish and chips. I'm not making fish and chips at home. I've got to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but if we knew that there was a place nearby that would, that did really good fish and chips, I think we'd probably do it. And and there should be little bolt-ons to that. You know, what are the additional things? If you're going to send a barbecue kit to somebody and, you know, you you prepare the meat into a box, you add rubs, you add sauces, all the little bits that people can't do at home, as we say. Aggregating that offer on, on any platform you've got of supplying and reinforcing your message of sustainability with sustainable charcoals or or perhaps the um, barbecues that you particularly like that you might be able to do a deal with a, uh, a, a partner on, on a, a third-party supply of. So there's all sorts of ways you can start to build revenue. Um, and as you imagine, when you look through a lot of websites, you quite often see at the bottom after you purchase something, some other things you might like. Well, it might be music, it might be a cookery book, it might be... So how else can we interact and, and tell tell those sorts
0: of stories. Yeah. Recreating that whole experience. So I, I like the, 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 the example of music is true. It's, you know, you, you often have uh, background music in a restaurant and that helps create the atmosphere. Right. So just rethinking about those elements of that atmosphere and who you can partner with. I think that's, that's, that's very smart. Um, a, a lot of people are talking increasingly about dark kitchens. It was already you know uh, something that was happening more and more i think it's it started probably a couple of years ago that that people started using the term so uh, you know uh, for for our listeners who, who might not be be aware of that what that is 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 basically a a restaurant without a dining room which is basically preparing meals to be to be delivered um, is that something that a lot of your clients are considering um and and, and if so like w- what do you think are the common pitfalls of of setting up an operation like that
1: well i think firstly most of our most of the people we work with aren't doing that um mostly because they've got the cost of bricks and mortar already whether it's a, a leased property and then they're tied in or if you've gone to the to, to the point of buying a freehold you've got an asset there and why do you need to pick up rent somewhere else um, okay. but having the opportunity from the space to serve both inside and to your Customer at home or wherever they may be is is a positive thing. Um, sorry, I've forgotten the other point of the question that you said.
0: So I was just saying it's like some some of the common pitfalls that that are associated typically with, with with dark kitchens. But if that's not something that you're you're recommending to, to or and and understandably, I, I agree that the, the the main reason to do something like this would be to think, hey, I'm expanding, but instead of using. Uh, you know, of, you know, setting up a full restaurant, which the capex and and the rent would be typically very high. This is a good way of doing it, but uh, uh, I, I suspect there are pitfalls in uh, and things to be careful about once once when doing one of these.
1: Well, certainly, how do you how do how do you differentiate yourself from everybody else who's out there on a the platform? It, you yep. know, yep. visually, you've got to be able to grab hold of someone straight away. Great photography, you know, and and an offer that that's of interest and. Sometimes people, whether it's in a restaurant or in a dark kitchen, try to offer too many things and and, and be famous for everything. And, And I think that that usually isn't the best approach. Be famous for what it is you do tends to resonate with people and people keep coming back for that.
0: Totally. I I, I uh, and especially you know if you know sometimes you go into these restaurants where they have pages and pages of rest of of, uh, of dishes and you're just like I don't know where even to start and that's even worse I find on a on a mobile screen right where you're like scrolling through and, and being like my god this menu is never ending like how how do I even know like you know what is good on here so I do find uh, I remember when, when we when I used to run Hummus Brothers we would uh, always have we'd have not a big menu but we would always have a recommendation for someone who's coming in for the first time or who doesn't know what they want because you know it would really slow down the queue and given it was quick service you you wanted to keep that that the pace going but we'd be like and and we told everyone in the team you can have whatever recommendation you want to give give the recommendation you you really Feel strongly about, uh, but just make sure you have one because you know that all does help. Uh, and it's true, people want to be guided, want to be helped on that. You know, especially if they're coming to something for the first time. If it's too much choice and they're just like be turned off, or uh, or even like highlighting ones that you say, hey, if you're it's your first time, choose one of these. This this is a good a good recommendation if you want. Uh, so it's so ag- agreed on that point of like thinking through the menus is a really really important piece. I,
1: I think there's something else to add to that as well because you're quite right, but. You know, the aggregated platforms that are marketing people end up owning your data as well. Their purpose is to market to their business. Um, And what's really important, whether you're a restaurant or you're in a dark kitchen, is to use a platform that has a delivery partner attached to it, but the customer has a direct relationship with you, your e-commerce platform. You get to keep the name, the date, the, the value of the customer what they're buying so you can you can communicate back to people and decide how you want to market your business and drive it forward rather than you're reliant on a large fee and someone else having the control over you which isn't a preferable place to be at any point yeah
0: T- totally agree. And, and, and as such, are there some, um, uh, are you recommending people uh, try to set up their own delivery network or, or partner with people that don't? S- so so maybe more like the stewards of the world uh, versus the deliverers? Or is uh, like, I'd love to just like, uh, yeah, could you say more about that? Because I think that is so topical.
1: Yeah, I think, well, um, there's a platform that goes live next week that uh, um, Seven Rooms that is going to be tying into a delivery platform as well they're going to be using Stewart's in London I believe as a, a, a delivery partner um, but London and the rest of the country are two different things you know how do you make sure there's national coverage for for that sort of um, uh, delivery so everything we're doing outside of London pretty much is on a collection basis um, uh, um, we work with Applegarth farm down in in Surrey who've done a phenomenal job over the last few months of of really working in their, their more rural setting to support the local community which is invaluable um, for everybody on both sides of that relationship um, and they've been delivering themselves um and and but there again there's challenges there's insurance to take into consideration and making sure that you look after your staff duty of care especially with covid and social distancing but the interaction they've been able to give to people on the doorstep has been a very, very valuable thing uh, for a lot of customers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, just talking about duty of care, it's what one question I hear a lot of our a lot of our customers or a lot of people I speak to in the industry is just like, how do I how do I make sure that uh i how do i guarantee the safety of my team right and this is a really difficult one because often they work in in small so if they're in kitchens it's difficult to do social distancing in kitchens um they they're working in in enclosed spaces typically is i don't think there's any like like right answer today honestly but i, I like would love to just chat through like some of initial elements that you're considering or you're advising around those pieces?
1: Firstly, you know, it's really important that you have a company that looks after your health and safety policies, food safety policies, and they should really be able to give you a really good steer on what this is. Um, but looking elsewhere, because COVID is a different situation to one that's been experienced before, um, there are people around the world who are further through the process than us. And um, black sheep uh, restaurants in uh, Hong Kong have put together what ended up being a, a, a document that was consulted on with government ahead of government actually forming its policy uh called the covid playbook and and it starts to talk about that very important thing of how do we maintain communication or, or or consider and be mindful of our communication with customers to put them at ease to make sure we've got the practices in place that the staff know what the new cleaning regimes are and how to interact and you know are they little things like making sure there is a sanitised wipe on the table, in you know, a little packet for people as they arrive? You know What little things can be done? So looking at that and in conjunction with your, your health and safety advisor, I think it's a really good thing to put together an induction, almost like a re- an induction process for your staff as they come back to work because practices have changed. People aren't quite in their game head bring them back in and educate them and make sure that they're feeling comfortable because if they feel comfortable your customer will feel more comfortable and it's it's so on from there it just rolls on
0: and i think that's a like that's a super important point you make that the the communication for the team but also for the customer and i think i mean i've seen uh Pure in London do actually a very good job of communicating, you know, just saying, uh, you know, we are reopened for deliveries. This is what we're doing to to make sure our staff is safe, you're safe, our food is safe, um, and, you know, this is how you can order, this is what we're doing. You know, I think you're 100% right what the, the and, and even if I talk about it from, from Tenzo's point of view, we've been very trying to be communicating with our customers, proactively throughout this this situation because i think that's the thing that people like you they if there's this kind of um vacuum where people just assume the worst and so by by getting proactively going to them and i think the the, the good restaurant chains have really already started communicating even ahead of reopening to just you know keep their customer, their brand in their customers minds but also making sure that they they reassure because we're all going to need a lot of reassurance when we when we want to go and eat out at one of these places.
1: Well, I think that's right. And, you know, we've learned how to be hospitable. It's what we do. We've just got to add a bit more information into that now. We've just got yeah. to develop it. Um, yeah, um, totally. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're already starting to communicate with the teams about these sorts of things and make sure that there's uh, a resource available from them on the, uh, you know, if there's an HR um, uh, system that we're using that's cloud-based, these sorts of documents and are, are quite visual, they're available on people's on the staff's phones, so they've always got a reference point around and available to be able to to look at and.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and at the beginning of of uh, of our chat here, you mentioned how um uh, so on Sunday uh Boris Johnson uh made uh made an announcement about like this new phase and and um you said you 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 alluded to the fact that some people were uh were not were maybe a bit disappointed on that but uh, what what did you make out of out of this new phase and, and how he's announced it what what are your thoughts on that piece now? Well
1: I'm really encouraged by the um uh what appears to be happening with furlough I think there's there, there are still going to be questions that come from that. Um, as we said, you know, the link between uh, the amount of customers you can have through social distancing, rent and furlough, uh, is a really important balance to make. And a lot of, um, some landlords have been better than others. Uh, some landlords have, have, have given some very um, good support And have managed to, uh, suggested that they're linking that support to what the government's doing. And that's really identified by furlough and the order to open. So if that is phased, I think the next question is understanding really how um, that rent implication comes back and and starts to hit again. Because obviously, if you can only open with social distancing with a small capacity, maybe you don't have a garden, maybe delivery isn't feasible for you because of a rural location or what have you, then. 100% 100% rent coming back on and just switching on that tap again, just you know that pulling the plug and draining your business. Let's say uh, it, it's just yeah. completely unviable. So it's got to be phased on
0: all fronts, really. It, it, I, I, I was reading about how the how the Canadian government is is addressing rents for retail and restaurants, and uh, interestingly, what they uh, so I believe what they have done is they have said. The tenant will be responsible for 25% of the rent. The landlord is rep- responsible for 25% of the rent and the government for 50%. So they're stepping in, in quite a major way to say, okay, we'll go, you know, the government will cover half, tenant, the other quarter and and um, and the landlord the other quarter right so the, the landlord has to give a twenty five percent discount gets 50 percent uh, from the government and twenty five from from the from the tenant like do do you think something like that uh, is is worth considering or, or or do you think it's more like the, te- the the landlords that need to be taking this amongst themselves I
1: I think it what is likely to happen is the la- the landlord, unless it's instructed by government, isn't likely to take on that burden um, unless the government is leading the way on it. And and the way government is here, uh, has been announcing things, it's been about furlough or borrow money. Yeah. I can't imagine the government suddenly saying, okay, we're going to half your furlough amount and we'll start to pay rent, because they're you because they're already saying that actually this is unsustainable and they need that phased approach for different sectors to start to approach the economy again and get get the machines of the economy going so um, as long as the level of furlough stays a a high enough level to be able to balance that cash is king at the end of the day and 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 as long as that level's high enough to be able to support the um, cash flow of the business then um not the perfect world but it'll be some support
0: exactly and, and I, w- I was quite surprised when uh, rishi sunak uh, announced that uh, uh, it would be till october it kind of gives you an idea that the government realizes that this is something that is going to be this was not about adding another month or two months this was like you know saying you know we're gonna add like four or five months to what we what we what we had planned here so uh, clearly they think this is going to be something that that lasts a long time um uh, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see because i i, th- I think it's it, it, on one i mean i it's amazing they've done this and i and i'm happy to hear that they're also talking about it making it flexible because i think that the the having someone not working at all, or working hundred percent, not having this kind of in between state where you could say, hey, "Well, you know, work one day a week," or or, or come and help uh, one week. Which what, what I suspect restaurant teams are doing is that they're getting some of their team to work very long hours if they've opened for delivery, say, or for or or, or, or for like click and collect, and some that they don't work at all, as opposed to just basically balancing it out across the team and everyone like that has a little bit of activity, uh, uh, but we don't have these big gulfs. So, um, yeah, w- what was your take on, or what, on that extension and that flexibility, what would you like to see on the flexibility front?
1: I think, you know, being able to bring people back on a part-time basis or, or parts of the team and not other parts of the team, whatever might be most suitable for your business is, is, is a great place to be. But, you know, we've got to be mindful that this is still a very fluid situation. Um, we all want a roadmap to it. We all want a plan, but plans might have to adapt and change as we're moving That's forward sure. here. So we've got to maintain that flexible manner and and mindset that we've had over the past few weeks, um, uh, that it's trained us for. Um, the possible opening of some parts of the hospitality sector were. Uh, on the first of July, were mentioned. Well, that could be an ice cream van. It doesn't necessarily mean to say your restaurant will be open and you'll be allowed 100% of people in. And what happens with this uh, R rate uh, and the infection rate is unknown. We're seeing what's happening elsewhere, but other places, you know, you, it's not easy to measure yourself against what's happening in Seoul. Even though we've seen they've had some challenges in the in the uh, in the sector with some infection rates recently but they have a dev- very different set of government policies so our government, our country's reaction might not be the same as theirs if a little spike comes along so look, I'd just encourage everyone to be flexible and really you know we're trying to make sure that we run multiple scenarios on what we can do um, so, totally. so we don't run into that issue not yeah October. October is a good place to be aiming at at least at least there's that target
0: yes, yes. Hope, let's hope that everything is nearly all re- everything's reopened and, and and we're operating in this new normal as everyone everyone's calling it um so so since since the, what what's your day-to-day looking like now in this in this kind of post-COVID world. Now, now the, I expect a lot of Zoom calls and, uh, and a lot of uh, uh, check-ins with the team that way. like, t- Tell me a little bit about like what's your new routine looking like?
1: Yeah, well, um, as, as everyone has been, I've, I've been working at home over this last period of time. I've started this week uh, um, to uh, go to a couple of sites, but really that's just to look at buildings and places and what's happening, uh, uh, what needs to happen within them um not not so much meeting people um we have uh a a lot of zoom meetings Uh, there was one just before this call and there'll be another one just after um but i think that as we start to get going again i I could imagine i will still be working at home a good half of the week at least Um, uh, we'll be trying to make sure that we don't overextend ourselves and being at sight I'm very conscious that I live in London and that we have clients in Surrey and Devon and Bray and I think part of what we've got to do is control control the spread as they're saying so uh, there'll be a lot of working from home um, I don't think there'll be a lot of flying to Barcelona in the next couple of months um, but I think That's there'll so be sure. a gradual release of this uh, of this uh, uh, distant working um, but I think we we will do a lot more of it
0: Okay. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, on, on, that, on that customer of yours in Barcelona, given they, they they went in it before us and will, you know, I'm sure come out of it before us too. Like, so they're, they're probably two or three weeks ahead of us on, on, on this journey. Like, wh- where, where are they now? Have they started reopening? Like, or, you know, is it control Nothing.
1: No, no, no. So uh, that specific business is, is, is quite conference led. Um, we're working to help redevelop the food and beverage concepts around all the spaces in the hotel to be able to balance up the leisure market within that uh, business uh, against the conference. So uh, I think, um, as we know, conferences are going to be very challenging for the time to come. So um, it will be a bit more project concept led Mm -hmm. as we start to get going on that again.
0: Yeah, I guess there's a, a lot of these conferences have moved, have moved online, yes, definitely. So I can imagine that, that uh, uh, yeah, big gatherings like that are, are probably some of the last things that will, will be coming back, back online. Um, in terms of, I, I'd, I'd love to get like, your advice to people, to young people who are looking to get into the hospitality space. Like, What, what do you think, what would you tell, tell them in terms of the industry and, and, and uh, how to get into it?
1: Firstly, do it. It's a fantastic industry. As long as you want to do it. Uh, there's no point in being uh, half in, as they say. Um, I think the most important thing, uh, uh, from my experience, would be to make sure that you, you do two things. You, you develop a very strong base knowledge, as the French would call it, la fond de la cuisine in, 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 in cooking. Develop your knowledge and your practical experience. For me that was a really good way of doing it i'm i'm not someone who was academically minded i enjoyed the reason i enjoyed cooking was that sense of achievement when you did things with your hands but it also engaged the brain so i think it's really important to understand that if you don't have the education that goes alongside the experience it's a bit more challenging uh, uh, for you to get as far as quickly but uh, those are the two key things
0: yeah i agree with that it's, it's uh, you've got to be passionate about it to get into it otherwise it's uh, uh, yes the the uh, it's a, a challenging industry so if you if you if you don't love it 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 will it, i don't think it's uh, something you should get into to, totally agree um and and some of the like i expect this is probably one of the most challenging times that you've seen in uh, in your time in the industry um it, like have, have there been other, like, you know, I know before pre-COVID, we were talking a lot about how, uh, you know, the restaurant industry uh, margin is are, are pretty tight, um, you know, in terms of uh, often, uh, you know, for- Rents is something that is often comes up quite high on the on the agenda of like of uh, of concerns. Uh, restaurateurs have like what do you think? were Like concerns that were pre COVID that you think will still be ongoing and and what what can restaurateurs do about that? And uh, clearly the new biggest concern is going to be this health and safety and how do you like do the social distancing? How do you operate in a in a space where you can't use your full your full space? But are there some of these other these pre COVID concerns that will keep keep coming up do you think?
1: Well I think the, the biggest pre-COVID concern is the elephant in the room and, and, and Brexit still has to come back and, and and we none of us know what that is or how it is whatever our opinion might be. Um, so food prices are going to come into uh, question. Uh, uh, um, staff you know uh, the question of, uh, uh, of European workers and, and and how that might balance up are, are still to come at us again at some point so um, I think they're really the biggest challenges that we'll face as in, in addition um, they've just been delayed
0: yep yeah. yeah and that, that, that I agree I, I, I read that uh, it was a, had had the referendum not gone uh, uh, the way it went it, it would have been David Cameron's last week in office two or three weeks back. <laughs> I was just like, wow, we've we've come a long way since uh, since that. <laughs> I haven't realised the connection to that,
1: but yeah, that's funny. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's. It, I I agree that that is. Uh, I I think also it it, it will pr- probably make, uh, you know th- that. The Brexit element be be uh, uh, give it a new kind of dimension, if you want. But also, I think all these other challenges in terms of staffing, in terms of what people expect from restaurants, in terms it, it will get changed. The the industry will change quite drastically, I think, in in, in a lot of ways. Just like the the travel industry will will, will change in, in a number of ways too. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves over the next few years because i think it's uh, it's great to see the innovation that people like you are bringing into the industry and 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 what different brands are trying to do and 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 testing and learning really in this environment and i th- and i'm hoping to see a lot more of that because i think there's it's a, it's a good way to kind of reset things a little bit and like and 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 start uh and and challenge some of the ideas that might have been like assumed for so many years but basically say hey what well, do we need to do it like this could we be more flexible so uh, agreed with the point around flexibility keeping that flexibility definitely
1: and no, no matter what comes at the industry it always learns a way to adapt you know, I, I remember many years ago, and I, I take my hat off to people in our sector, they, they, they're phenomenal at finding their way through problems. You know, the, I remember as national minimum wage started, everybody was shouting about the fact it's going to be the death of in the industry. And it is, hasn't been, you know, people are still going to want to eat. They're still going to want to have the experience. They're still going to want to break bread and share stories. We're just finding new ways and different ways to do it
0: at each point. Restaurants survived the last pandemic. They're going to be here to state This, <laughs> um, uh, so t- tell me a little bit around like uh, what are the main differences between the creative side of the business and the and the business side of the of the business, if you want. Like what 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 uh, uh, because you know you've come from like from from being a chef uh, and and uh, much more like the the creative side, and now you're like. Consulting for these businesses are much more on, on the business side. It's like, yeah, w- what are the main differences? And I suspect there's quite a, f- a few like uh, challenges when like trying to bring those two together.
1: Well, I, the, the literal thing is that the creative side has an emotional element to it, and the 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 the, uh, the commercial, the business side of it has has a very linear, very very structured view to it. And the challenge is on how you manage to be able to make both reach the same end point. Because it doesn't matter your path there on the creative side and wherever that ambition might end up being. It's commercialism is the understanding between that creative product and the business. So both sides have to have an empathy for each other. If you are very good at the creative process, and we work with a lot of people who are phenomenally talented at the creative process, quite often, unless they, they don't always identify the right structures and processes to go alongside that to support them, that's what we try to do at Truffle Hunting is essentially help develop your business. If you're great at the creative side, that's great. What do we need to put around you so you've got a framework be sustainable and sustainability cannot just mean about the pollock the cod the fish from the north sea it's got to be about money in the bank because as talented as you are and as creative as you are if you haven't got money in the bank you're not going to get the opportunity so it's really about trying to align those two and make sure both can flex to each other
0: yeah i think it's interesting because i think uh, that there's uh, there's a number of of people who go into the restaurant uh you know maybe either with with that business bit strong at business thinking about or very good at like the creative side like building menus thinking through like you know what you know being very good cooks just being amazing at that and if you don't have both you're not going to be successful and and i think that's that's a really interesting uh approach you guys have with truffle hunting say hey we can help you on both you know where are you strong and we're going to be able to support you on where you're not i think it's it's a critical piece yeah
1: yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Uh, well, listen, I, I, um, I've got a few fun questions to end. Some, some quick fire questions to, 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 uh, to end our chat. Um, uh, so I'm just going to shoot. There's only four, and, uh, and, uh, um, I'll, I'll just shoot them and give me the, the first thing that comes to mind. Um, what was your favorite restaurant or pub when we were still allowed to go out? The Crown at Bray. What what and, and so give me another one that you're not involved in like directly. <laughs> well, uh, the one we go to
1: locally is called the Angle Sea Arms. We've loved it okay. over many many years.
0: Good. Do they have a good fish and chips?
1: They have a very good Sunday roast. We go there on Sundays. Awesome. awesome! Great. Great. Uh, favorite food, favorite, favorite cuisine, in, like favorite dish, like, what, like dish.
0: What, like, what? do you? What's the go-to? We've heard so for your wife, it's the, the fish and chips. We've heard for you. your wife, it's the fish and chips. So, what about you? Oh, it's a hard one huh?
1: I, I, I really enjoy
0: northeastern Thai food okay cool very good uh, if you could only choose one of the three so either starter main or dessert just one of them which one would you go for I would go for the main but I'm going to qualify
1: that my favorite part of a meal is the starter because you're still looking forward to everything else that's come it's got to come
0: <laughs> By the time you finish your main
1: course, I'm starting to feel
0: a bit flat. I'm like, oh, no, it's nearly over. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I have a sweet tooth. I mean, th- this question's so hard because I just like, I, I can't finish a meal without like, you know, uh, something sweet. It's just it's the French side of me. What can I say? Um, last meal on earth. What would be your last meal on earth? To be a three course. Uh, clearly, it would have to be three quarts, you'd have to have a starter to look forward to the rest of the meal.
1: Oh Well, I know it would probably be a good piece of beef uh, in the middle there. Uh, really well aged, dry aged, um, and a great bottle of Burgundy. I'd say oh, for yes. dessert, it will be cherry clafferty. And to start with, ooh, really good Devon crab.
0: Nice. Nice. Cherry clafoutis, yeah.
1: That sounds good to me. (laughs) I think I'll pop to the shop now and buy some cherries. I might do one this (laughs) afternoon.
0: listen I, I i really really enjoyed our chat Th- thank you so much for for taking the time uh to chat with me um uh i think it's a really interesting time for the industry and uh, uh, clearly you've uh, you've worn lots of different hats and had lots of different experiences and uh, and i think all the businesses that are uh are very lucky to have you uh, along their sides in this challenging time to help them navigate these uh, these waters because uh, uh, it's l- unlike anything we've seen before. So so thank, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening. If you want even more insights and tips, you can head over to Tenzo's blog linked in the description or follow at Tenzo Inc on Twitter and LinkedIn, and Tenzo PPL on Instagram. Hope you have a great day.